again. If you want to turn with me, please. Good to have so many young people in this uh, church this morning. And I look at the size of some of the families. Um, we'll say no more about that. Praise God to see, to see so many people with us this morning. So we're going to be using a bit of PowerPoint and it's to help us, it's to help me to help you to, to what God has actually saying to us and been saying to us this last um, few weeks. But let us read just a few verses this morning from um, Isaiah 52. I'm going to read from verse 7, maybe down to verse uh, nine, maybe this morning, just so remember, this is um, Isaiah speaking to the people of God. Their time of captivity is over, and this is God speaking of restoration. They spent over seventy years in captivity. They're marred by sin and shaped by Babylon, and this is God's call to them to come out. He's going to take that wee life and he's going to reshape it as he is with your life and mine. Shape it into the image and the glory of God. So that's our context. In this very text, we see the two, the first and the second coming of Christ prophesied. And we're going to touch a wee bit, a bit on that um, this morning. So let us read verse 7. Speaking of Jesus himself, this is a prophecy of Christ's coming. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news and happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice, together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. I break forth together into singing, you waste place of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people and he has redeemed Israel. And we leave it there um, for this morning. So praise God and I do pray that you will be encouraged this morning as we look through this together. So as I've said, this is a call to Israel to awaken and to go home to Zion and to rebuild. And it's a call to the church again this morning to awaken to the fresh call of God upon your life. You remember that day that God saved you? That was the first call, and there's been many calls to each of us since, to awaken, to make our way back to glory, and to rebuild our life. And Christ is rebuilding our life in that. So we see Isaiah's call. It's, it's, a, double, it's a double use of the word awake. It's to get the attention of the people. You know, when we're marred in sin, sometimes we need to be spoken to two or three times. Not right? To, for God to get our attention. We're so caught up in the world around us. And here's God speaking to his own people through Isaiah. Awake, awake is a double call to them. What was the message? Well, the message was wonderful. Their captivity is over. They're free. If you could say the message in, in a nutshell, they're free. And perhaps we don't appreciate what that is this morning, but speak to somebody who's locked up this morning in prison, perhaps on, on death row, and they've got, they get news that they've been pardoned. I can assure you that they will be somewhat excited and thankful for that news. We are free in Christ. And we apply that to the church, that the Christian is free. Listen, you need to be told this morning that as a Christian, your time of captivity and bondage to sin, it's over. God wants to take you on a greater journey. And I believe that's for somebody this morning. Our shackles of sin and shame, they're gone. They're gone with Christ. We're no longer slaves. But listen, what are we? We're sons and we're daughters. We're sons and the daughters of the living King. Look at that verse in John 8 on 36. It says, A slave is not permitted, is not a, or sorry, a slave is not a, a permanent member of the family, but a son belongs to it forever. 
For if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Isn't that a wonderful bit of a text this morning? So, so the question that we asked and I asked yourself, you over the last weeks and myself is, as a Christian, are you living in the freedom of Christ? Because there's a call, isn't there? Isn't there a call to live in the freedom of Christ? And there's a question that we asked ourselves and we answered that in our inner man. Because to live as God intends, we must awaken to the truth. And this is the thing that we need to awaken to. The truth that God says that in Christ, we, the church, are free. That's the truth that we need to accept in our own lives. Our past has been erased in God's history book. And some of us need to erase the past in our own thinking and our own hearts. We have the favour of God upon our lives. Isn't that something wonderful, church? Don't be afraid to shout amen. You'll not get through it, I promise you. Isn't that wonderful news? Amen. amen. Oh, I don't know who shouted that. I've just seen the mass all moving. We have the favour of God upon our lives. So week one, we, we, the message was awaken, you're free, now live as such. I just want to recap our thinking before we dive into this this morning. You're free, so start living as such. God intends you to be free and to live in that. Week two, we looked at taking responsibility of our newfound freedom. There's a responsibility. Each of us will give an account to God, Paul says, for our life, for, for how we lived and how we served him. So there's a responsibility that we must take. The responsibility is on each believer to stay free from spiritual Babylon, which is this world that is anti-Christ to the core. We must leave behind, you remember, old habits, them old comfort habits, as I call them, things that we've brought with us into the new life. And we know they're not that great, but we don't think they're that bad either. But God wants them things to be taken out of our life. Give no place to the secret sin. We looked at that with Israel. So Israel's call, Isaiah's call to Israel was, listen, lay aside, take off the old garments, them old slave clothes, clothes them old rags from your past, and put on these uh, beautiful garments that, that God speaks about in his word. You remember, the Christian life involves some taking off and some putting off, and perhaps this morning, for some of you, there's things in your life that you need to take off. For others, there's things that you need to put on, which is the truths of scripture and the word of God to your life. So the Christian is to be dressed and ready for the master's return. And that brought us last week, or sorry, the week before, to the Christian wardrobe. And I'm sure many of you ladies, your wardrobe's packed with, with lovely garments. I'm sure, like yourself, Davy, me and you, our wardrobe's, I'm sure, packed with the same shirt and the same pair of jeans and the brown shoes. But listen, it's fashion at its best. But there's a Christian wardrobe, and it doesn't involve expensive clothes that we buy with money, but they are expensive. And that Christian word will be, be interpreted as attitudes and actions. Do you remember? There's nothing worse than a child that's disobedient to the parent and it brings quite a bit of dishonor and embarrassment to the family. And likewise, a, a Christian who, who lives with no boundaries is answerable to nobody but himself, doesn't bring honor to, to God or, or to anybody um, around him. So we've seen the Christian wardrobe in Romans 13. Instead, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's some way to be dressed, isn't it? Clothes with, with Christ. Corinth, or Colossians. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. So there we get the idea of where we're at. That's where we're, we're starting off with this morning. The overview of what we've learned so far, to live as God intends, simply put like this, is to awaken in Christ, our, our shackles are gone, we're free. Attitudes and actions are some taken off and some putting on. 
sing as well. So, so today's lesson is obedience. So we're walking in obedience. That's what we're going to look at today. Obedience. There's not some word. Preparation. We need to be obedient in preparation for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's much talk at the moment that we're in the last days as the world's reacting. Surely Christ's coming back and God will in the coming weeks we're going to be considering a wee bit more about the rapture of the church and what that looks like, what's to be expected, what's to be the end times is to look like. But, but let, us, let us get one thing very clear. The Bible, Christ himself, warns his church, his people, to be prepared for his coming. But it's going to come in an instant. You remember that. So there's a call of the church to be ready. So our le- lesson today is obedience. What's the definition of obedience? It's submission to another's authority. In our case, submission to God's authority. What we see in the scripture is we see that, that Jesus became obedient to, obedient to death on the cross. Just for a small example of what it is to be in the will of the Father. Had Jesus not have been in obedience to God, you wouldn't be saved here this morning. It's as simple as that. And that's, that's what the power of obedience has in your life. There's many blessings that you and I will miss out on if we don't put obedience into our walk with God. But does anybody agree with me that obedience is sometimes easier said than done? Anybody want to put their hand up and say you would agree with that? Good man, David. Just, just, just the three of us. Bertha, I can't believe she's admitted to that publicly. <laughs> but it's true. Obedience is very, very easy said, isn't it? Thou shall and thou shall not and, and all this. And thank God for the life-giving spirit. But it's not, it's not always easy to do the right thing in life. So within the scriptures, I see many things that, that can help us with obedience. That's what I want to do this morning. Not to remind you that you need to be obedient and leave you there to, to, to feel miserable the rest of the day that how you perhaps feel like you've failed. But the scripture helps us. God knows our state. He knows our great need. And, and I want to bring out just, just two this morning. Not the three points, just, just two this morning that I see. And to live as a Christian, with Christian obedience, it require, requires, first of all, knowledge. Doesn't it? To, know, to, to live in obedience, we need to know what is obedience, what, what's right and what's wrong. And the, th- the second thing that I see, our eye needs to be on the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming. There's no greater thing that will keep you in the right path than knowing that any moment you could be face to face with the Lord himself. So that's, that's the simple message this morning. And you know, there's so much information that comes our way on a daily basis. What we should and what we shouldn't be doing what's acceptable and what's not. You know, the Bible tells us that in the days just before Christ comes back, that the land is going to be marked by global deception, okay? That's one thing the Bible makes very clear. There's going to be not just deception in a church, as as they dealt with in the earlier days, but a global deception, okay? That's what the Bible teaches. And what I see is this, that there is a generation that has reached maturity, And they have taken their guides on on how to live, on how to act from the media and from from the governments of the world. So that's where our generation that's come through has got their moral compass from. Okay? Much of which is is opposed and opposite to what the Bible would teach the people of God. Now, if the church took her guidance from the world on how to live and how to act, she would be in total disobedience to God. And that's the, that's the key this morning we want us to remind us of. Where do you take your, your guide from? What's your marker um, for obedience? When you're teaching your children, 
the way of God and the way of life. Who's telling you what's right and what's wrong to teach your children? Is that slide nine, Andre? It is. Sorry, this is yeah, okay. The prophet Hosea, he speaks about God's people, and he says, for lack of knowledge, he says they actually perish. Now we quote this many times, don't we? But do we ever apply it to our own hearts and think, is it possible I? There's things in my life could be really hurt, or there's things people in my family could actually perish because of the lack of knowledge in my life. That's a question that we need to take quite seriously. Israel failed to observe what was right and what was wrong, and she paid the price. We've been looking at that. She's now coming out of that situation. Many believers also fall into this same trap. With global deception comes what? Global disobedience to God. We see that on a mass scale. Our roadmap to obedience is the living word of God. Obedience, you know, naturally comes through knowledge of the scriptures. If you ever wonder, well, what is the will of God? What am I meant to do? When you have the word of God in your heart, you will know what's right and what's wrong. Isn't that true? We know this. We know what's right because we have the word of God in and and through us. Let me say this, and I think I've shared this in previous times, but a saved woman once told me that she, she didn't read the Bible much, but that knowing Jesus simply made her free. And she was happy enough with that truth. Now she, listen to what I said, she said that knowing Jesus was enough for her to be free. And I don't agree with that. You might. But she quoted John 8 and verse 32. And this is what she said to me, she says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what she said to me that day. And she interpreted knowing the truth as a prayer she made some years earlier to be saved. That's what she interpreted knowing truth was. Asking Jesus into her life, repenting of her sin is certainly the door to salvation. That, that's, that's not even up for debate. That's, that's the biblical, the doorway to be saved. But the question is, is that enough to keep us on the right path? Now, I'm not saying to send us into eternal damnation. I'm saying, is that enough to guide us in the right path? A prayer we made, in my case, 17 years ago, I asked the Lord into my life, and had I not have read the scriptures, understood anything about the word of God, where would I have taken my guidance from to be what was right and what's pleasing to God? So can we really trust our own hearts to guide us in what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in the eyes of God? You know, this lady was somewhat wrong in her thinking about being free. Yes, she was free from the shackles of sin, but not free from the shackles of bondage and the snares that Satan puts on her path, and the Bible preaches much on it. See, we could be free and saved, but we can be very much in bondage. Does that make sense? There's people who should be living life to the glory of God with a smile on their face, not the weight of the world on their shoulders, but, but free. Do you ever remember we Sidney Murray, when he used the word free, he would, he would jump up and he said, free, because he was free. A wee alcoholic man wrecked by sin and bondage gave his life to God through the knowledge of the scriptures, become a gospel preacher and was free and preached the message. And that's what we see here. We can be free in Christ, but we can be in bondage to this world, in bondage to the curse of, of this world and sin. And Satan seeks to lead the people of God away from God and away from active service in the church. It, it, it amazes me over the years how many people have said, I've heard say over the years that, that God's you know, told me to step down from ministry for a while. 
I've never heard God yet telling any man or woman to step out of the work of God until he or she is called home. Is that not something? Did they get their guidance a wee bit wrong in that? I don't get much out of praying. I don't get much out of the services. I, is, is this really our guide? Is it the word of God guiding us or is it our own hearts? Is it our own thinking? And, and that's a question that we're looking at this morning. Slide 10, Andre. I think it's about three moved. Put us in slide 10, sorry. We will get used to this. So John says, let's see what John really says. Is that slide 10? Yeah. That's it. John 8 and 32. This is what Jesus really says in this text. He doesn't say you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's see what he says. Jesus said to the Jews who had just believed him that if you continue in my word, see it, you are truly my disciples. And then, because you've continued in my word, you will know the truth. And what happens? The word of God, the knowledge, the truth sets the people of God free. That's the first point. You'd be glad to know it's over. Knowledge of the scriptures keeps us free from deception. And there's no greater deception in your life or my life than this wee heart. You might think there's false prophets will seek to lead you away. There's nothing will lead you away from the things of God in your own heart. It's deceitful, the Bible says, above all things, wicked. Who can know it? That's what the Bible says about our hearts. And I would like to have it as my guide to obedience. So listen. This, the word of God, produces obedience in the life, the knowledge of the scriptures. It sets the believer free from, from, from all the things that would seek to ensnare them, and it guides our steps in obedience in this world. So listen, only the, the word of God that's heard and applied can keep the believer free from, from deception of sin. You know, there's so much more to walking with God than simply asking to be saved. And I wonder, have you got past that wee place in your life? Well, you've asked God to save you and that's happened, but do you believe there's greater things for you? Do you believe God's got more for you? More for you to do, more for you to bring to the table? You know, a woman or a man who is saved and walking in obedience to the Lord is to be feared by all the evil that would come across our path and to be revered by all the people of God. There's nothing better to see a man or woman walking for the glory of God. So that's the first point. The knowledge of the scriptures helps us walk and obedience. So the second point to help us live and walk in obedience is what? It's the second coming of Jesus Christ himself. In slide 12, we look at, at verse 8 and it says, listen to verse 8 in Isaiah 52. Now you need, to, you need to read these words and take them in. Now listen to what it's saying. It's speaking of a time ahead. It says, You're the voice of your watchmen. They lift up their voice and together they sing for joy. But you see this? For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. And here we read about the watchmen in Israel. And they're speaking of an age yet to come, the end of age, the end of the tribulation period. A time when all nations will surround Israel in a bid to destroy her and God's people. And of course, the scripture tells us that this will be a time of great distress for Israel. The people of God, I believe the church will be raptured at this stage, by the way. This is a time when God deals with, with Israel. We, we look at that in, in the time to come. It's known as the time of Jacob's trouble. Time of Israel's trouble. And just before it's too late, the Bible tells us that, that Christ returns with the saints and his armies. 
and Satan and his armies, who are the kings of the earth who unite against Israel. And they come to destroy Israel, but just, as, as just before it's too late, the Lord Jesus Christ returns and he destroys them. And it's at this point I want you to see that, that Israel's watchmen, they will be stationed throughout Jerusalem. This will be a time of great upheaval, a time of great distress upon the land. I want you to see this. This could be your life this morning. And this is a time when Israel is going to be surrounded by all evil. And they're going to come to destroy her. And at this point we see a prophecy of, of Israel's watchmen. And watch what they're doing. They're not sleeping. They're not bored. They're not playing golf. They're, they're watching. And they're stationed throughout Jerusalem. And they're looking up to the heavens. And they're looking and they're expecting what? The coming of Christ. And we see this in, one, in the prophetic sense. And one commentator says this. That he will not disappoint. And what he's saying is, just when Israel think all's lost, when they're about to perish, when evil's about to overtake their life, Christ turns up. And you know, church, that could be your life this morning. You could be in total distress and chaos, and you're wondering, where are you, God? And all of this, where are you? And what the scriptures would teach on the application of this as the day is just at the right moment when you think all is lost, Christ turns up. And that's what's going to happen at the end of age. And that's going to happen many times in your life and your walk with God. And you know what's going to be their cry? Victory is going to be their battle cry. Now listen to verse 8. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Key word I see together. You know, the truth is this. It takes hard times for the people of God to unite fully. I hate to say it, but the day that it comes... When the governments tell us to close our churches and not preach Christ, it's probably the only day we're going to see full unity in this house or any other house, in any other church in the land. You look at the book of Acts and look at it closely. It wasn't gospel singing and holding hands that, that caused revival. It was persecution. People dying. Families destroyed. Businesses ransacked. And somehow in the midst of that chaos, Christ showed up, church. I hope it's getting real for you. Because it's getting real outside these doors. Glory to God. If you want to walk in obedience, get your eyes on to Christ and his coming again. Because he's coming soon and he's coming quick. And together we see the people of God lift up their voices. And it goes on to say, for every eye will see when the Lord returns to Zion. These watchmen men had their eye on Christ, on the coming of the Messiah. And he's coming again. Not they didn't have their eye on the evil that, that's thought to destroy them. And maybe the situation in your life today is dire. Listen, look to Christ. Trust him this morning. Church, when our eye is on Jesus and his coming again, and even if all evil surrounds us, the Lord's song will still be heard in this church. If our eyes is on Christ, there'll still be worship in this church. There has to be an amen to that. There has to be an amen. When all evil seeks to shut you up and keep you quiet, Jesus turns up. And the Lord's song will be on our hearts. Amen, church. Amen. I want to say, maybe today there's, there's somebody struggling. And I go on to say further, perhaps most of us, we have a good way of pointing to, to someone when perhaps the truth is, maybe 90% of us here this morning have a struggle in our life because there's no sin that is uncommon to all men, the Bible says. There's no struggle. And there's no more struggles of old habits isn't there? Them comfort sins, like a good old bag of crisps, and, and the good wife went away there for a lack of days, and I was home alone, and, and we're off all the fat stuff. We're trying to get into shape. Can't afford new shirts, we want to get into the old ones. 
And she wasn't out the door 10 minutes, and she doesn't even know this, but she's going to find out. Do you know them wee packet of onion ring crisps, the green ones are really nice taste, the wee small onion rings? Well, there was a multi-packet up there, and I mean it, by half 10 that night, there was an empty bag in the fire. My own shame. Obedience and crisps, that Pacific night failed, but the next day have been good ever since. I'm not even going to look at her. But you know, that's the struggle, isn't it, in a bigger sense, but in the same sense. We've struggled with old habits, but unfortunately for many of us, it's not a bag of crisps that hinders us from getting closer to God. Maybe struggle with obedience to the life. Is that you this morning? You, you know what you ought to be doing. And God's told you clearly. But there's part of you that just, you just refuse to trust him. You want to do it yourself. Listen, get your eye on Christ and his coming again. And you know what happens? Obedience becomes easier. You know that if you come at any moment, the scripture tells us that at any moment Christ can return for his church. And this knowledge of the second coming, it keeps us on the narrow path. Why? At least we be caught up and caught out at his coming. We should be in slide 13, Andre. Are we on slide 13? Glenn. 13. Peter says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. First Thessalonians says this, for you are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. First Thessalonians 4 and 15 According to the Lord's word, it says, the Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. But after that, we who are alive, speaking of the Christian, on our left will be caught up, or caught out, but caught up is what the scripture says, together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and there we will remain with the Lord forever. He goes on to say, encourage the saints with such 1 Corinthians 15 says, we will not all sleep. In other words, there's a generation that will not face death. I'd love to be that generation, would you? I don't like the thought of that at all. But there'll be a generation that'll have to die. It says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed to the glory of God. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will all be changed. When Christ returns, we're told that at any moment... Or, or sorry, Christ could return at, at any moment. There is nothing in Scripture needs fulfilled for that. At any moment, he could return. And the Scripture tells you and I, and every God-fearing man and woman, that we need to be ready. We need to be watchful. At least we'd be caught out and found with our head down at his appearing. So we know the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Do you know when a thief comes, he never comes when you expect him to come. It's not true. Have you ever been robbed? It's the most annoying and frustrating thing that you can have happen to you. Because it happened right under your nose. You didn't expect it and you'll never know who done it. It says the day of the Lord will come like that. As a thief. Regarding the second warning, it says there will be no warning. We say it will be sudden. We could be sitting here now like that. Whoever's saved and right with God, gone. It will be sudden. It will be quick. It'll be in an instant, in the twinkling of eye. Blink your eye, like that. You'll be standing before God and changed. Glory to God. That old man you attended, you'll have to wait. You're gone. The bill that's just come through the door, not have to be paid. You're gone. You're with God. That's what the Bible teaches, in the twinkling of an eye. Revelation 16 and 15. Listen to the words, church. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Now, blessed is the one, we're coming to an end. Blessed is the one who remains awake 
and clothed, so that he will not be naked and let his shame be exposed. So, so far we've seen that we must be awake in our series. Yeah, awake, free from hidden sin, be dressed, have the right attitude and actions, be obedient, have a knowledge of the word of God. And Revelation 16, the verse we've just read, we see that Jesus tells his church about his coming as a thief in the night, how so, so suddenly. And he says, listen, blessed is the one who remains awake. Do you see the, the connection? Blessed is the one who remains awake, free from hidden sin. Blessed is the one whose clothes have the right attitudes, have the right actions, and be found not in shame, but to the glory of God. It speaks of one who is found naked and ashamed. In other words, it's the Christian who's found living in disobedience to the word of God. Not to the pastor, not to the church, but to the word of God. A Christian, we are living in times of great deception. All ungodliness is, is both embraced and promoted in our, in our land, in our society. But only the Christian, and I'm going to say this, only the Christian who understands the scriptures will be able to see the true extent of the deception at work in our land today. I've heard more Christians agree with the type of marriages that are acceptable today. And I know close people in my family who are in that way of living, and with the love of God I say this, it's not right in the eyes of God. Christians who don't pay their bills, by the way, not right in the eyes of God. Lust is not right. Listen, there's things that aren't right. And just because a church, a denomination, or a Christian decides to make them right, it doesn't change what the scriptures say. Does it? There's many things I would love to twist to suit my own desires. Wouldn't we all? And we have to make that decision whether we're going to be obedient to the Lord and found not in shame or found standing in the glory of God. And the choice is yours this morning. Make sure you're living with an expectation that any moment Christ can return. Don't allow yourself that this world would want and, and the old spiritual Babylon would want that you be dumbified to the scriptures. The twinkling of an eye, the raptured church will be found face to face. Can I just say, church, if you need to, put things right before it's too late. Let each of us this very day put things right before it's too late. Regardless of how everyone else is living, can I say, can you choose for yourself to walk in obedience to the Lord. So slide 16. To help us with obedience is this. Obtain knowledge of the scriptures. Can I just say, take notes. Even a rumbly aisle sermon that I would probably bring more often than not. If you have a pen and a bit of paper in your hand, as I see some have, you will get something out of it. The Spirit will give something to you. I promise you that. And I'm looking around, there's many we. We, we mothers with our arms full, and now we're not talking about Jews, but there's many people here this morning you could have a notepad. Because there's a word given this morning, and 90% of it's going to be gone by the time you leave this building. And I want to encourage you, as a pastor does, one of a tact and guide a sheep, get a notepad, make an effort. If you want to criticize the pastor's preach, at least have it in paper. Isn't that right? At least have something to back it up. Don't say you heard nothing when you never bothered to write anything down. Because it's true, isn't it? I've come out of many a service then. What was that about? I remember a great mission over Bally Albany a few years ago and I come out and the young McNee preached powerfully. And I hear these two older men in front of me and they scoffed them up and down. What was he talking about? What was that rant about? I swear to God, church, it was a mighty word of God. 
blinded and deaf and at the same time, and it's possible in the last days, as it says in the book about the church, there'll be a famine of the word. And it doesn't say a famine of the word, a famine of hearing the word. Let us as the people of God get a wee notepad. Make it our business to know what God's will for our life is. So I'm going to ask the, the team to play, or just to play lightly for a wee minute. As watchmen of God, which you are this morning if you're saved, keep your eye not on the circumstances, but on the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming again. I want you to see this. This quote. Eric Tidball says this. We are all flawed masterpieces. Say amen to that if you like. I agree with every bit of that wee sentence. We are all flawed masterpieces. In one way or another, to one degree or another, the image of God in which we were formed has become marred. Sin does that, doesn't it? Mars us. But he goes on to say that holiness, and I put in brackets, obedience, is about the restoration of that image. Why, why does this world want to draw you in one direction? It wants to mar not just your life, but the image of God in your life. And why does the, the preacher get words like this where he doesn't feel too comfortable even bringing because there's a higher being, your God, who wants to take you and draw you this way, that you can be obedient and he can be glorified in through your life. We're all flawed masterpieces. God always brings hope, doesn't it? First Corinthians 1 and 8. I want to encourage you to put on obedience again in your life, but I don't want you to leave here somewhat condemned. Because we can. Because when we get corrected, we don't like it. When we get challenged, we don't want to hear it. If it doesn't fit in with our thinking, we, we don't accept it. Obedience is easier said than applied. It causes action, responsibility. But even perhaps if you're in the middle of that place where Israel's headed, total surrounded by evil and looking for the Lord and where he is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that, that he will sustain you to the end. So regardless how big the battle might feel or how undisciplined perhaps you feel you've become in the things of God. This is a... This is a a message of restoration. Isaiah 52 is all about it. Restoration. God's calling his people. Come on. You spent enough there. You're more than enough. It's time to shine. It's time to live the way I intended you to live. And that's the message. That's the series. So he says he will sustain you to the end. So that you will be what? Exposed in the last day? No. Blameless. Church. So that's the, that's the main message I want to leave with your heart this morning. So there's a challenge to awake. Get dressed. Put on obedience. Because that's, if you want to live how God intended you to live, there's, there's actions. There's responsibilities on our behalf. We don't just, as this poor lady just got, got saved and believed, that's it, it's free. We want to sing an old hymn as we prepare our hearts to come round the table. And we were looking about songs that speaks about Christ coming. And you know, it's very hard to get some modern songs that, that actually deals with that topic. 
So we're going back a wee bit, and we're going to an old faithful song. And in that, we know the old song, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. Do you know it? Of course we do. And the morning breaks, eternal bright and fair. When the saved on earth, now the saved on earth, shall gather on the other shore, and the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. I want to just say this quickly. We've spoken to the Christian this morning. Even if we fail a wee bit, and even if the Lord comes back and we're caught with our head down, caught doing stuff we shouldn't be doing, we're saved. But perhaps you're here this morning, you're not even saved yet. You have a bigger problem. But the Lord is still with us. It's still in the day of grace, and your life is marred too by sin. Anyone calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you repent of your sin through faith. You become a Christian. And the Lord starts a new work in your life. So if you're not saved this morning, you don't know God, would you come and speak to me afterwards? And you sing this song. Remember, at any moment the Lord returns, if you're not saved, it's too late. It's too late to join those on the other side. So can we stand, church, and going to simply pray? And this is our, we're going to sing this, and we're going to just, David's going to come and lead us just around the emblems. So, so Father, we thank you this morning for the challenge to our hearts, your word this morning. And Father, the call to obedience has never gone away. Perhaps we have forgotten somewhat about it, but Lord, we commit our hearts to you afresh this morning. And Lord, you ordained your church. Lord, it's in this environment that, where, Father, we get Lord, built up. We get instruction. We get correction. Lord, we get to glorify you. We get to lift up our voice in unity and, and worship you and anticipate the coming of the Lord. And even as we break bread together, the very thing we're doing, we're doing until he comes again. And Lord, I pray that this would be a time as, as our brother David would, would lead us, Lord, around the, the emblems, that Lord, we would be reflective in, in our life and how we're living. And Lord, were you to come back now, would, would we be found with our head down as it were? Or Lord, are we, are we in anticipation, Lord, pressing on with the expectation of your coming? So God, I pray you would bless each heart Bless each family and bless the remainder of this time in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.